The Murders and Mysteries podcast series brought to you by the Grand Island Independent. Check out special subscription offers at our website, theindependent.com slash sign up for more information. Welcome back to Murders and Mysteries podcast series from the Grand Island Independent. Series finale. Today we wrap up our six-episode series of Murders and Mysteries with two small-town bank robberies that were anything but small-time crimes. This is Murders and Mysteries. My guest today for the first part is Fred Rozier, president of the Hall County Historical Society. Fred, today we're going to talk a bank robbery in Donovan, and this took place in 1887? Uh, November 26th, 1887. And these uh, burglars or whatever came into town, and uh, they were going to rob the bank and the post office, I guess. They, uh, they went into the post office and found a safe there and chiseled a hole in the top of the safe somehow and uh, put some explosives in there and tried to blow up the safe. Jeez. Well, the people in town heard this little bang, sort of, not real loud, so they kind of passed that off. And A little while later, there was a much louder explosion. Well, they, they packed the safe full of explosives in the post office, and uh, it uh, did a little more than what they expected. <laughs> It blew the door off the safe. It blew it about 15 feet away, uh, started a fire, and this burned up all the contents of the safe, which in the safe they had a couple hundred dollars in cash and then about oh, two to three hundred dollars in postage stamps. Jeez. So, this is back in 1887. And this oh. happened at night, right? Right. This yeah. was at night, yeah. Interesting. Woke the people up with the second explosion that kind of shook the whole town. Holy moly. So the buildings there, you had, uh, let's see, it looked like uh, the Bank of Donovan, the post office, right. Carmichael's Grocery, there was another store, a butcher shop, and a general yep. store, all destroyed, um, only a few goods being saved and all that. Right. It, pretty much everything was gone. This was the only brick structure in Donovan, and it encompassed about five, essentially, businesses, you know, the post office bank and the others you mentioned. Right. And uh, they were all destroyed. Jeez. And uh, about well, early in the morning, uh, Mr. Berger, uh, Mr. Berger actually is the one who started the town of Donovan. Oh, okay. And he called uh, Sheriff Wedgwood to get him over there. Well, he got on the train and about 6 in the morning and, and went over and checked it out. Huh. So the Sheriff Wedgwood, he would be from the, he'd be the Hall County Sheriff. Oh, okay. But he had to get to Donovan, so the quickest way is ride the train. Sure. From Grand Island down to Donovan. So... Th- he gets down there and checks it out, but he's back to Grand Island by 11, so huh. didn't spend a long time there. No. But uh, this explosion really, really destroyed a lot there in Donovan. Uh, loss of the buildings is about $5,000 in 1887. And right. so now that uh, would be, what would you say, 153840 something like right. that? Right, yeah. So wow. That's quite the, pretty, quite the explosion. Quite, it sure was. Apparently they didn't plan ahead very well. No, they really didn't. <laughs> Uh, and any idea, and they didn't catch anybody for this crime. As far as we know, they never caught them. And obviously, they got away with nothing because everything burned up. Everything burned up, so they got away with nothing. Do they think it's uh, associated with any other crimes in the area? There was a lot of bank robberies around that time, that time it frame. Could have been, but really, there's very little information about this. Huh. All I could find was this. Well, one, this main article 
out of the Grand Isle Independent, uh, which was in the December 3rd of 1887. I did find a small article in the Donovan paper, but it was just like a paragraph, not much at all. Well, at the time, the sheriff offered a $100 reward, which was a lot of money, for right. arrest and conviction of the party's guilty. Uh-huh. But again, if nobody really saw anything, it's kind of hard to figure out who did this. Uh, especially with everything blown up, there's no you can't do fingerprints or anything like that. Right. Uh, so yeah, they have they have nothing to go on on this. And so there was any houses, any homes destroyed, or just these businesses? Just, just these businesses. It was confined to that, but you know that was essentially the business district, right? In Donovan, that yeah, was about all there was. So did they, these places? Re, I mean, did the bank rebuild? Did all these places rebuild? Uh, well, they did sometime. Yeah, now, eventually. There's, there's still an old bank there on Plum Street in Donovan. Which that could be the rebuilt bank, right? So that's about where it happened then. I, somewhere in that area, yes. right in there. Yeah, interesting. There's a new post office that's kind of on the southeast corner of town, so that's nowhere near where it right. was. Right? Yeah, different one. So right. these guys came in and just decided, and so there wasn't even that much money in the bank. So if they were going to rob it, it was only a couple hundred bucks, right? Well, this was in the post office. Oh, post in the post office. office. Safe. Oh yeah, yeah. The safe at the bank. All they did was tore the handle off of it. Okay. So they didn't. They didn't get into that the bank vault at all. Okay. So all that money was all saved, but in Carmichael's store, he didn't have a he didn't have a safe, so all of his money, all of his uh, business records and everything, were all destroyed in the fire. Wow. And money that he had there in the store, it's all gone. Yeah. Huh. That's a, that so happened, and then the butcher shops. So There's probably a lot of meat that went up. Sure, and, and that that was all destroyed. Yeah. So it's probably hard to find a lot of uh, commerce back in those day, in that time because with everything gone, everybody had to go to Grand Allen or Hastings to get right. to get their goods. Right, and that's roughly twelve to fifteen miles each way. Right, you know, to each town via train, and then so, you got to carry everything back. You know, right. so mm-hmm. kind of crazy how that works out there. So it nothing, sure is. nothing, <laughs> uh, no, nobody ever got caught on that one or confessed to it, and they they took off. So never did. Yeah, a lot, a lot of. And do they assume dynamite was used? I and mean, that's probably all they had so, back then. Yeah, probably. Is what I mean. Something caused that big of explosion, right? <laughs> especially with bricks. I would think it would have to be dynamite. So. Yeah, it just it just really destroyed the post office. Wow! With that explosion, very cool. The consuming fire just took care of everything else. Yeah. So, so. the fire was out. I mean, they obviously is this burning in the night? So the fire department came and put it out probably right. early morning hours or right. whatever it happened. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the people of Donovan didn't have a fire department. Oh, okay. So they had no way really to put the fire out. I imagine they tried with little bits of water they had sure. from local wells. But So did Grand know. Island have to bring a fire department up? or do you know think, how it, Yeah, they probably did. Yeah. So it probably took them a little while to get there. It would. It would take a while <laughs> to get there. Right. <laughs> By the time they got there, it was just gone. Oh, so yeah. Interesting. Nothing left. Well, cool. Fred Rozier, thank you. So if you'd like more information about this, mm-hmm. or uh, if you'd like to find other articles like this, you can go to our website, which is hallanyhistory.com. If you go to the very bottom of our page, you'll find the newspaper archive. And the Grand Island Independent is there, starting from the very first issues up to about 1926, 29, somewhere in that era. Okay. And like some other newspapers also. Cool. I didn't even know that. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Coming back, we travel to Cairo, Nebraska, for another big-time robbery in a small town. When Murders and Mysteries continues. At the Grand Island Independent, our award-winning staff provides the best in news, sports, and photography. Your trusted source since 1870 is the Grand Island Independent. 
Special subscription offers are available. Visit theindependent.com slash signup for more information. For the break, we heard about an 1887 bank robbery in Donovan. Now let's talk about the Carroll State Bank robbery in 1909. That leads us to another bank robbery several years later. This one is, uh, takes place in 1909. First, let's give you the history of the Carroll State Bank. It was organized in August 26, 1903, as a subsidiary of the First National Bank of Grand Island. By 1909, the total assets had grown to $187,519. In the same year, the bank was robbed. Yes, that exact bank. Only six years in existence, and the bank was robbed. Here's how it went down. Okay, I have a couple different accounts. This, again, according to the Hall County website, which is hallnehistory.com. Uh, this is a Hall County uh, Historical Society website, hallnehistory.com. Okay, this is from the um, – I'm going to read the one from the Caro Interests. All right, that was the name of the newspaper. This takes you to Friday, May 21st, 1909. This is two days after the robbery. And I'm just going to read it out. It's written in the newspaper. Uh, the State Bank of Carroll was burglarized Wednesday morning about 1.45 a.m. I'm putting the a.m. in there. Uh, the burglars completely demolishing the safe and bank fixtures, badly damaging the building, and securing some $6,320.44 in cash. The loss is fully covered by bank insurance, and Bankers Association now have Pinkerton detectives on the trail of the robbers. Okay. Uh, it goes on to say the association offers a reward of 500 for the capture of the guilty parties, and the Carroll Bank will offer an additional $250. Some of the money at least was crisp silver new certificates of $20 domination. About $800 uh, was in gold coin. The bank opened up for business about noon Wednesday in the Benton Implement Building. Cash for the immediate use of the bank was furnished by First National of Grand Allen, which is institution. Uh, the Carroll Bank is branch. Okay, so they're, they're, they're in the same company. They write a little different back then. Uh, so this is interesting how it went down. Okay, Carol, Carol, the town of Carroll was celebrating. Okay, they're having a big celebration going on. There was some water bonds they were trying to get passed, apparently. They said the water bonds election had been held in majority of one vote more than the necessary two-thirds was secured for the bonds. There was a good deal of noise and fireworks until about midnight, when then several citizens heard reports of explosions about 1.45 at this hour. The clock in the bank had stopped. So apparently these bank robber or bank robbers knew of the celebration and thought, hey, there's so much going on, we're just going to go ahead and blow up the bank anyways, and people will just think it's fireworks. Well, it worked. Okay? The uh, thought was at the time that people were just celebrating. Different people heard the noise but didn't think much of it. Uh, there was a Dr. Parasol who was going to make a call into the country, so he was hitching up, as they say. He heard the explosion and thought they were uh, thought the earth shook, but the thought that never occurred to him that it was a bank robbery. Art Boring, too, heard some noise, tapping, and a subsequent explosion, later a second explosion, but seems to have not occurred to him that there was anything seriously wrong either. B.W. Waits and many others also heard the explosions. The robbers, before commencing operations, first cut the telephone cable. They uh, prepared the loads of nitroglycerin, and it, it was evident that the first explosion did not tear off the inner doors of the safe. A second heavy load was probably used for this, and the inner doors of the safe were blown across the room and knocked a hole through the opposite walls of the building. 
All the cash in the safe, a few pieces of silver from dollars to nickels are seen lying about debris on the bottom of the safe. But accepting this, a clean sweep of the currency, gold and silver, was made. The robbers also blew open the doors of the vault, apparently with a light load, but took nothing from the same. Nothing of value to the burglars being in it. Okay, so this is interesting. Uh, Cashier Wingert was grateful for one thing. The robbers evidently had no use for the counting machine and had carefully placed it out of harm's way before touching off the fuse. So the counting machine, they're like, all right, we're just going to move this out of the way. We don't need this thing. You know, there was no eBay then. You couldn't sell it. A, uh, what else? It said they left one or two tools on the top of the safe, but traded, therefore, the bank robber's revolver. All the drawers and desks had, it appeared, been rifled through. The desks that had been standing within four or five feet of the safe was blown into many pieces. The ceiling of the bank of wood was splattered with soap, showing the process used in explosions. Particles of iron were driven through the tin signs on the other side of the room, and there were many uh, similar evidences of extreme force of the explosions. No one was permitted to enter the bank until Sheriff Dunkel arrived, who was taken up to the village by Mr. Emil Wool, Woolback in his automobile, accompanied by J.H. Harrison, B.H. Payne, a stockholder of the bank and representative of the Grand Island Independent. So... Pretty interesting how that works. Uh, then you go on to see, uh, did they catch the guys? Well, this is from a different account. This is from the Carroll Record, a newspaper back then, okay? And it says a lot of the same things. Now, it says there's no definite clue to the robbers. When Sheriff Dunkel asserted that the robbers had taken a hand car after the robbery and had come down as far as McDonald's Sheep Ranch and had therefore dumped the car, he sent deputies in. With special bloodhounds, they came up with nothing. Hounds, however, took no trial from the car and nothing, uh, no trail from the car, and uh, found nothing to go with it. All kinds of stories and opinions are afloat, but it seems uh, none to seem to be with foundation. Three men have been arrested in Grand Island who are thought to know of something about the affair. The officials have several good clues upon as evidence. Upon which they are working, and it is hoped to have the guilty ones locked up before long. Another idea in regarding to the handcar story is that the car was taken early in the evening merely as a blind, and that the men were driven here in an auto. So, yeah, they took a car, in other words. Um, it says, as evidence, the job was by party of experts is certain as nothing was left undone to make the job perfect. The cable was cut to prevent communication with the outside world. A sledge, pickaxe, and various tools used were taken from B&M and Martin Brewers. A 44 revolver was taken from the money drawer. All the drawers and desks had been rifled through. We said that. So depositors, they wanted to assure them of the bank need. Have no fear as to the safety of their money as all loss is covered by insurance. So I don't think these guys ever got caught. They had some suspects. Maybe they, you know, maybe they knew something. Maybe they didn't, but... Quite the uh, quite the planning they had back in 1909 using nitroglycerin to blow up the bank safe and get away with almost well, $6,300. So there you go. All right. Bank robberies. Oh, man. Appreciate you tuning in to Murders and Mysteries podcast series. I'm Josh Salmon. That wraps up our series, Murders and Mysteries podcast series from the Grand Island Independent. For more information on these and other historical events, visit the Hall County Historical website at Hall. 
nehistory.com. You can also get some of these stories off the Grand Island Independent website at theindependent.com. Thanks to all my guests, Michelle Setlick, Dr. Nathan Tai, Jim Dean, and for the information given to me from Ken Harders. Also, thank you to Fred Rozier. And thank you for listening. This is Josh Salmon of the Ground Independent signing off. Thanks for listening. Murders and Mysteries podcast series from the Grand Island Independent is copyrighted by Lee Enterprises 2022.